Uh, I'm Greg Boyd. I'm the senior pastor here at Woodland Hills Church, and it's really good to see all of you and be in the presence of God together and just uh, celebrate our Lord together. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. Shocker. Now, Scott went ahead up to chapter 3, and that was wonderful. Um, but I didn't finish the message I started two weeks ago. So if you thought we were going slow before, it's taken us six months to get to this spot. Now we're actually going to go backwards, <laughs> so uh, we're not quite speeding up. But I want to finish the message I began two weeks ago, speaking about the wisdom of God. And I'm using as uh, the launching pad for this message, Luke chapter 2, and t- this morning I'm just going to read one verse. It's the last verse of chapter 2. And this is what we do here at Woodland Hills Church. We believe in passionate worship and then passionate preaching. And we're just going through the Bible verse by verse. Uh, and then as we feel led, we, we stop at a passage and build a theme on it. And we want to know not just what, what did Luke say, but what does God want to say to us, Woodland Hills Church, through what Luke said. And so we just kind of hover over some passages and, and, and speak about things that we think God wants us to hear about. So here we're, we're looking at the concept of divine wisdom concept of divine wisdom. Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and I'm reading from the TNIV version. It says, and as Jesus grew up, he increased in wisdom, increased in wisdom and in favor with God and people. Uh, The thing that we focused on two weeks ago, it's so intriguing, is this. Here is Jesus, the one sinless person in history, Jesus, who looks like humanity would have looked, were there no fall. This is humanity before the fall, the rebellion. This is what humanity will look like after redemption is complete. This is humanity as humanity was supposed to be. And yet, Jesus grew in wisdom. He had to learn. Which tells us that the necessity of learning and growing in wisdom isn't something that is there just as a result of the fall. Rather, from the start, God's purpose for creation in this epoch was to teach us, to instruct us, to make us wise. From the very start, even without the fall, without this becoming the war zone that it is because of the fall, even apart from that, it's wired into creation that God wants us to learn. He's preparing us in this stage for the coming kingdom. This this. this epic was meant to be school. It, we're in training for this coming kingdom. When all who will agree with God will sit on the throne with him like a bride co-ruling with uh, her, the, the king husband and, and will rule there. And that's where God's will will be done perfectly on earth as it is in heaven. This was always meant to be training ground for that. It didn't have to become a sin-filled war zone. That was the misuse of our free will. But it was always meant to be a training ground to make us wise. A central point of the purpose for creation here and now is to learn, it's to grow. And what we saw two weeks ago is that wisdom is not primarily book knowledge, though God can use book knowledge to make you wise. But you find a lot of people with a lot of book knowledge who are not wise at all, and you'll find a lot of people who have no book knowledge and they're very wise. Wisdom is about insight, not knowledge. It's insight into the character of God, insight into the nature of reality, insight into what life is all about. That's what makes one wise. And the purpose of creation here and now in this probationary epoch is to get it, 
to become wise, to learn how to walk in God's ways. And God uses all the material of our life more than anything else. All the events we go through, whether he wills those events or not, he uses life experience to teach us, to train us, if we're open to it, to grow us to be the kind of kingdom people that he wants to reign with him throughout eternity. That's what's going on in this world right now. Now, I want to take that thought and go a little deeper with it. And to do that, I want to focus on what is probably the most frequently quoted passage in the Bible about wisdom. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, which says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's two important words there, and they both have two different connotations. First is the word rashit. It's important that you get the pronunciation correctly. It's rashit. <laughs> and rashit can mean beginning, as in chronologically first, but it can also mean foundation. The other word is the word yara, which is translated fear. And that can mean dread, like being afraid, but it can also mean reverence. And I believe this passage contains both of those connotations. In fact, I think there's a parallel that's going on here. In the beginning, we have dread, but the foundation is an ongoing reverence for God. It's like this. The, if a person has no wisdom and doesn't know God, the first step in wisdom will be, will be becoming aware that there is a God. Uh, becoming aware that you are not God, becoming aware that you are small and he is very, very big, becoming aware that, that you are not, as you are right now, rightly related to God. It's becoming aware on some level that there is an almighty, all-powerful creator God that you have to answer to. And knowing that you're not related rightly to that creator God should produce a, a sense of fear or a dread in you. And God uses that dread to bring you into a relationship with him. But as you get to know God, and as you uh, accept the forgiveness of God and, and discover God's perfect love, and as your love for God grows, now dread and being afraid of God has no place. It says in 1 John 4.18 that perfect love drives out all fear. Now the fear turns to reverence, a holy reverence for God. And that is, throughout this whole epoch now that we're in, throughout the whole of our life, that is the foundation for all wisdom. It's about reverencing God as creator, as the, the one who is wise, and walking in accordance with his ways. Now the reason why reverencing God is the foundation for all wisdom isn't hard to see. It's not rocket science. It's basically like this. Wisdom, as I said, is about insight into how the world works and what's going on in this world. That's wisdom. God is the creator. God is the one who designed all of reality. So God's the one who knows perfectly how things operate well. And given that, you are wise if you acknowledge that, if you reverence God and respect him as the creator, as the designer, and therefore acknowledge that he is smart and you are not. And therefore, you commit to walking in his ways rather than just walking in your own ways. He designed the program. He knows what's going on. Wisdom says, align your mind and align your heart with God. It really is no different than 
what the Bible's getting at in a little way with the command that children are supposed to reverence or honor their parents. Um, All other things being equal, unless you've got very dysfunctional parents, uh, kids should acknowledge that their parents are older and wiser than they are. They've been around. They've they, they, they know a little bit more about life than the kids do. And so a smart child will listen to God when God says, honor your mother and your father. They know what's going on. They might have some advice for you. Of course, kids don't do that, but they're supposed to. Do you remember the time? Some of you, some of you might have to think back a long, long time ago. But do you remember when it first occurred to you that maybe just possibly your parents weren't complete idiots? When, when the light dawned on you, that may, maybe they've got something to say. For me, it was when I was 12 years old. I, uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, there was a hill several blocks from our house that was a very, very steep hill, just almost a straight-down thing. And there's three telephone poles that were staggered down this hill. And us wise 12-year-olds uh, decided to do some slalom sledding where we would weave in and out of these uh, telephone poles. My dad saw that one time and said, Greg, what are you, an idiot? And the answer should have been, of course, but, uh, you know. He says, that's dangerous. I don't want you ever to go down that hill again. You could kill yourself doing that. Now, I'm 12 years old, and what does my dad know? Uh, He doesn't know what a good sledder I am. (laughs) He doesn't know how skilled I am. He doesn't uh, know how good these sleds are. He doesn't know... Uh, you know, how much fun this is. And my dad's never been under peer pressure. He doesn't know that when someone dares you, you have to do it. I mean, you can't walk away from that. And so I, being a foolish 12-year-old, went out to that hill several weeks later and started going down it. And don't you know but that I didn't quite make the last turn, the last telephone pole. I wrapped myself around it. Uh, the doctor estimates that I probably was going 20 to 30 miles an hour. I totally crushed my insides. Uh, squashed everything, lost my spleen. I've got a big scar going from my chest down to my navel because they had to do exploratory operation. It was such a mess. I honestly thought I was going to die. I, I, I rolled off my, I rolled down the hill, and on the bottom, just before I passed out, you know, I was seeing this white light. And my last thought was, man, am I in trouble. <laughs> uh, I, uh, fortunately, I survived that, but when I came out of there, I had a little bit more respect for my father. The, the point is this. It's wise to listen to someone who's older and wiser than you. And applied to God, it looks like this. God is older and wiser than any of us. He designed the program. He's the author of reality. The beginning of wisdom and the foundation for wisdom is listening to God. Listening to his advice, seeing what he says about things. Uh, he's, he's been around the block a couple times more than any of us. Life will work well when we go according to God's ways. When we, when, we, when we do life according to the instruction of the designer. Life doesn't go well when we decide to go our own way. It doesn't work as well. We end up bringing pain on ourselves. That's why two verses after the verse we read earlier about the beginning of wisdom, it says this in verse 12. If you are wise, your wisdom will, will reward you. Life will, it, it's wired into creation that if you're wise, you'll get blessed. But if you are a mocker, meaning you disdain wisdom, you think you know better, you mock that, if you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. To reject God's counsel, to reject the counsel of the one who designed reality, 
is really to risk running head-on into reality. You're declaring war on reality. It reminds me of a, a friend of mine in high school. His name was Gary. God bless you, Gary. Uh, he was this uh, guy, he, he lifted weights all the time. That's about all he ever did. He was just this muscly, muscly guy. I think the most stacked high schooler I've ever seen in my life. I mean, bulging muscles. Um, he was uh, going to state uh, in track to throw the shot put and the disc. And at that point, it looked like he was the hands-down winner. He would have won this thing, which could have opened up doors for him to get a scholarship to go to college. And he would have needed a sports scholarship because he wasn't particularly bright in any other respect. Uh, so a lot hung on this state championship. This was his ticket. Two days before the state meet, he... Uh, uh, has gotten a fight with his dad. His dad wouldn't let him have the car for some date. And Gary being, I, the guy might have been on steroids, I don't know, he had a real hot temper, but he decided to uh, take out his anger on a wall. And so he used all of those muscles and punched his fist into a brick wall. The result was his knuckles were smashed, he broke his hand in five places, he couldn't throw the disc and couldn't throw the shot put. Um, here's the piece of wisdom that Gary could learn from. If you pick a fight with a brick wall, the brick wall will probably win. <laughs> you don't get to decide the laws of physics when it comes to brick walls. You have to honor the laws of physics. So it is, when we decide to go our own way and not pay attention uh, to the instructions of the one who designed reality, we're declaring war on reality. Uh, we're inviting pain in on ourselves. It's just stupid. In fact, you could define sin, which technically is missing the mark, but we miss the mark because we're stupid. Sin is stupidity. Sin is hitting your, your, your hand against a brick wall. Sin is thinking that you get to decide the nature of a brick wall and the nature of your hand, but it doesn't work like that. Sin is stupidity, and sadly... The history of humanity has really been a history largely of stupidity. Am I right or am I right? It's a history of stupidity. It goes back to the very beginning. We don't like to listen to God. How this whole mess gets started, Genesis chapter 3, God says, okay, you guys, here's the deal. Um, I'm, I'm looking out for your best interests. I love you guys. I want things to go well for you in this probationary epic. Here's the deal. You can eat of any tree that you want. They're really good trees. They really bless you. You can eat freely of this tree of life. Do that. But there's one tree that you can't eat out of. Don't, it, it, it's my loving no trespassing sign. Don't try to be like me, thinking that you know, you know wisdom. Because then you'll be judges and you won't be lovers like I call you to be. Honor my prohibition. Don't eat of this tree. Because you see, in the day that you eat of this tree, you're going to die. Uh, you're going to die spiritually, and then you're going to die physically. Don't eat of this tree. So what do we do? Somewhere down the road, all of a sudden, we decide, what does God know? What does God know? God's stupid. The serpent's smarter than, than, than God. Because uh, and, and, what we know is that we'll be wiser if we eat of this tree. And so we go according to our own understanding. We disobey God. We disobey the instructions of the designer. And what do we do but invite this mess in on ourselves? And guess what? God was right. We do die. Every problem we as a species face and every problem we as individuals face, if you trace it back, it's because somebody wasn't listening to God. Somebody decided to lean on their own understanding instead of acknowledging God in all their ways. Somebody decided not to reverence, to respect their creator and the designer of all reality. Whenever we do that individually and whenever we do that nationally and whenever we do that globally, well, as the Bible says, we're inviting problems in on our life. Take, for example, one of my favorite subjects, sex. Sex. 
It's a wonderful thing, is it not? God says, here's this wonderful thing. It's one of the best gifts, one of my best inventions. I'm going to give it to you. But here's the deal. This gift comes with a Surgeon General's warning on it. <laughs> Obey the instructions very carefully. Because as powerful this is as a gift, it can be just that powerful as a curse. Uh, uh, warning, warning here, this is to be used only in a covenantal, lifelong relationship. Warning, do not use this recreationally. Warning, do not use this with ulterior warnings, uh, 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 ulterior motives. Warning, listen to me on this one. It's a beautiful, wonderful gift, but if you misuse it, it's going to bring a whole lot of pain on yourself. And so what do we do? What have we been doing throughout history, and what are we doing today? We, we, we act like we invented sex. Like it was our great idea. And so we think, look, then. Huh, forget these old rules, this old stodgy God. What does he know? Uh, listen, the more the better, the variety. Monogamy is monotony. No, we want variety and spice it up. And, 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 and let's use this to, for ulterior reasons. Let's use it to sell stuff. So we use sex to sell beer and sex to sell couches and sex to sell cars and sex basically to sell everything and sex to manipulate people and sex to get our ways. And, and, and we, don't, we ignore the, the instructions of the designer. We ignore the Surgeon General's warning on this. And so what happens? Quite literally, all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. We've got a culture now where we've got STDs all over the place sexually. One out of seven teenagers has a sexually transmitted disease. We've got AIDS that is killing thousands upon thousands. We've got abortions all over the place. We've got broken families all over the place, which causes its own set of misery uh, and generations to come. Uh, it's blowing up in our face. We've got sexual dysfunction all over the place. That's weird. I thought the sexual revolution was supposed to free us, right? But here we've got, it's, it's really quite rampant. That's why all these, uh, you know, let me just use this as an occasion to say I hate spam. <laughs> I hate spam. And about half of all spam, you know, that clogs up your email, is, is with Viagra or how to make something bigger and longer and how to improve your sex life. And It's like, get away. But obviously there's a market for this stuff. And all the studies show that there's sexual dysfunction going all over the place. Uh, and part of the reason is because people have performance anxiety. And the reason they have performance anxiety, I don't have that problem, but some people have <laughs> performance anxiety. I'm secure, all right? I want that to go on record here. Uh, yeah, sometimes I preach out of my experience, but I'm not doing that here. But some people, because sex has turned into this competition thing, like, like comparative shopping. And, and so now you're wondering, is this as good as the other person or whatever? It was never meant to be that way. It was never meant to be a toy, never meant to be used recreationally. It's meant to be used in a covenantal context. And it's wonderful. God says it's wonderful, and all the studies show that sex is great in marriage. Uh, it's, it's best in marriage. But when we start using it for fun and recreationally, it blows up in our face. Amen. It's the truth. And maybe it's time for kingdom people if not as a culture, though you don't expect this from the culture, but for kingdom people to stop, step back a little bit and say, you know, maybe, just maybe, maybe we should read the instruction manual here. I don't know. Maybe he's got some insight. Maybe he's got a better way of, of doing sex. Maybe he's, he knows what he's talking about. Wisdom is about reverencing God as creator and acknowledging that he is smarter than you. The crazy thing is that we as a species tend to be profoundly stupid. Uh, not only do we ignore the Creator, but we don't learn from our mistakes. Because God's always trying to use the pain of our mistakes to say, okay, will you follow my way now? Will you get wisdom now? And the crazy thing is that we don't tend to get it. We tend to make the same mistakes over and over again. History, if you study history, it's profoundly cyclical. It, it, it keeps going. It, there's not a whole lot new in history. We keep making the same mistakes. We aren't the first 
culture to really erode from the inside because we decided to open the Pandora, Pandora's box of using sex recreationally. This has happened before, but do we learn from what happened before? No. We make the same mistakes over and over again. It's crazy. It's insane. I'm told that Scott used this quote last week. Uh, I'm using it this week, though I didn't know he used it last week, so maybe God's trying to say, pay close attention to Einstein. But here's what Einstein said. He said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That is insanity. Here's the principle of the universe. Same in, same out. Do the same thing, you'll get the same results. That's insane to just expect that things are going to change when you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Wisdom is the opposite of insanity. Wisdom is noticing that it's not working. Wisdom is reverencing God and seeking God's wisdom about why it's not working. Wisdom is then, while you reverence God, taking his wisdom and using it to alter what you do to produce a different outcome. Unless we're willing to change and modify our behavior and modify our thoughts, things will keep on being just as they're being. And it's insanity to think otherwise. Wisdom is saying, what can we do to make a difference? And reverencing God as the creator and designer of all reality and applying it to our lives. The crazy thing, though, is that we don't learn. We keep making the same, history is cyclical. We make the same mistakes over and over again. Nowhere is that more evident than in our use of violence. Um, uh, you know, the, you look at history, and throughout history, we've heard things like this. This is the war to end all wars. Uh, we will finally rid the world of evil. If we just use enough violence, if we just conquer enough people, if we just kill enough people, then we'll bring about utopia uh, on the planet. If only we are in charge, then the world will be the way the world is supposed to be. It's what some have called the myth of redemptive violence. And you find this slogan, the war to end all wars, the greatest of all wars, the war to rid the world of evil, it goes back to ancient Greece. Read Homer. Uh, the Spartans were saying that. And then Alexander the Great said that. And then Napoleon says that. And then in World War I we say that. And then in World War II we say that. And we're still saying it today. And you think at some point maybe we'd step, aside, step outside of this cyclical thing and realize that this isn't working, but we don't seem to have that wisdom. To notice that this isn't working. We just keep on doing the same, same thing. We keep getting the same, same results. Here, here is a fact of history. Every regime that has acquired its power through violence has had to perpetually maintain itself through violence and was eventually toppled by violence. It's a, it's a, rule, it, it's a rule of the universe. It, 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 that's just the way it's going to be. What you did to get in power is what will be used to take you out of power. Now, Jesus said, all who live by the sword will die by the sword. And maybe it's time to say, maybe, maybe he's not stupid saying that. Maybe there's some wisdom there. Of course, you don't expect the world to get that, but kingdom people, we've got to get it because we're the ones who have pledged to make him Lord of our life. But it's crazy how stupid humanity can be. You look over at Iraq right now, and you got the Sunnis and the Shiites just killing one another, all shouting Allah Akbar in the process. And it's been going on for centuries. You kill my mom, I kill your mom. You kill my kid, I kill two of your kids. You kill my father, well, I kill your whole tribe. You kill my tribe, I'll kill five of your tribe. And, and it goes on and on and on and on. And you think that somebody at some point would step out and say, you know, this game isn't very fun, and it doesn't seem like anyone's winning in this game. Maybe we should try something different. But we don't do that. And it's not a, a distinctly Muslim thing. Christians have been doing the same th thing throughout history. 
In fact, humanity's been doing the same thing throughout all of history. It goes on in Rwanda, it goes on in Bosnia, it goes on in different places in, in Africa, in the Sudan, for example. This is just what human beings in this fallen state do. I think the surest proof that we are a fallen species is the fact that, that we don't learn from our past mistakes, especially when it comes to doing this kind of violence. Um, when you pick up the sword, you'll die by the sword. That's the wisdom of God. And at some point, we've got to get it. But it just goes on and on and on. Of course, both sides say, hey, if they'd stop, we'd stop. If they'd stop being so mean, we'd stop being so mean. It's their fault, which is exactly what the other side is saying. And that's my point. We're not wise enough to figure out a way to resolve conflicts without using violence. But this isn't just the cyclical nature of stupid sin, ignoring God's wisdom. It's not just a global thing. And I'm not, by the way, speaking about any particular war. I'm speaking about the human race here. But it's not just a global thing. It applies to our life in the exact same way. We have our own little Iraqs, don't we? Uh, uh, we have our own little Shiite-Sunni conflicts going on. We get involved in patterns where we keep doing the same thing and it keeps producing the same result. And sadly, so often we don't learn. Destructive patterns. Here's one, for example. Some of you, maybe a few of you can relate to this. For some reason, the child raises his voice, and so the parent gets mad and raises his voice. Then the child yells, which makes the parent yell. The child swears, which makes the parent swear. Ah, but the parent is a Christian parent, so now feels guilty, and so gets particularly mad because he just swore. Kid smiles on the inside. <laughs> Score, kid one, parent zero. Now, usually outsiders can see this, but, but insiders can't. When a person says that particular thing in a particular way, that just is a trigger. The parent then responds by saying a particular thing in a particular way, which is a trigger, which gets the kid to say a particular thing in a particular way, which gets the parent to say a particular thing in a particular way, and it's like a domino chain reaction. It's like lighting a fuse. It goes, pam! And it can go on for, for years, all throughout adolescence. It's the same cyclical pattern. At some point, you've got to say, is there a different way of doing this? And we don't just do it with our kids. We do it with our spouses. We do it with our coworkers. We do it with our neighbors. Uh, you know, there, there's patterns we get involved in, and, and it's redundant. It's monotonous. It's just repetitious, and we're stuck in it. Wisdom is the ability to see that this isn't working, and wisdom is the ability to say, is, might God have something to say which would produce a different outcome? Here's just a little nugget that falls from the wise throne that might pertain to this. Proverbs chapter 15. The author says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs anger. Mmm. Why not try that? Uh, you Become aware of the dynamics, you know, when the fuse gets lit and you go, and at the very beginning, apply this to your life, a piece of wisdom. A gentle answer as a way to diffuse anger. Why not shock your kid when they start raising their voice? Instead, smile and respond very calmly. Make it, rehearse this in prayer to stay calm. You know, just go through it visually, staying calm. Don't bite the bait. The kid wins if you bite the bait. Uh, just a, a calm answer. Most of our conflicts, in fact, all of them are power over conflicts. And they become really juvenile, like who can yell the, the hardest, the, the loudest? Uh, you know, who can manipulate the best? Who can get their way? Why not try Jesus' way 
as, as a, a, a new thing. Maybe it will produce a different answer. Instead of carrying the cross of a harsh word, why not carry, instead of carrying the sword of a harsh word, carry the cross of a gentle answer, a smile, a compliment, and I love you. And I'm not saying parents don't ever raise your voice. Sometimes you need to. And I'm not saying don't discipline your kids. You certainly have to. But I am saying, wake up to these really futile patterns you get involved in. Notice that it's not working. And seek God for wisdom. Reverence God's wisdom and apply it to the situation. And try Jesus' Jesus's approach, coming under a person. When the person at the office is gossiping about you, instead of getting mad and doing the same thing, which means you just sink to their level, why not apply a different approach, a gentle approach, a loving approach? Why not bless those who persecute you? There's a piece of wisdom. Why not love your enemies? There's a piece of wisdom. Why not pray for those who despitefully use you? There's a piece of wisdom. Instead of getting mad at the boss who's being unfair, maybe buy him a birthday present. Do something shocking. Uh, you know, and, and see if applying that kind of wisdom to your life doesn't produce wonderful and different sorts of outcomes. And this applies to every area of our life, uh, every area of our life, folks. We get involved in patterns. And often we don't even notice them because we're part of the pattern, just like over in Iraq. For example, how long are you going to have to, how, how many relationships are you going to destroy before you realize that uh, you don't get to control people? Huh? I, 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 wake up. Um, Seek God. Reverence God. Respect His ways. Get, get your life in security from God so you don't need to be trying to get security by who you, who you can control. And give other people the freedom that God gives. And see if that isn't a, a better, a, a different way of doing life. How many times are you going to have to burn relationships by gossiping about people before you realize that that really isn't a good way of doing life? Uh, before you realize that when you gossip, it feels good in the, in the, in, in the moment because you feel taller because you just cut down somebody, but it always comes back to bite you, and actually it makes you look pathetic. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time to reverence God. Maybe it's time to get a little wisdom and apply to your life that wise principle given in the New Testament to never speak evil of anyone. Try that on. See if that doesn't break patterns in your life and doesn't produce different outcomes. How, how, how long are you going to have to, you know, be, how much are you going to have to lose before you realize that you can't drink your problems away, that you got a problem here? And, and, and maybe it's time to make a change and to get wise and to reverence God and to get whatever help you need to, to uh, 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 bring moderation to your life or, if need be, to bring abstinence to your life. How many times are you going to have to wake up miserable in the morning feeling so empty before you realize that using sex to get the guy is not the right way to get a good guy? That in the moment, it seems like it's going to work, but they'll throw you away as a used handkerchief. How, how long before you, before you make a change? Make a change. Get wise. Reverence God. And start respecting your body as the temple of God. And start demanding that respect from other people. Because anyone who doesn't respect you like that isn't worth having. And see if that doesn't produce better results. Make a change in your life. Make a change. And see if it doesn't produce different outcomes. How miserable do you have to become before you realize that this bitterness that you're hanging on to, this unforgiveness, is not hurting anyone other than you. And that it's a lie from the pit of hell that says somehow you're getting even. No, the only one who's paying for this, like the verse says, the only one who has pain is you. Maybe it's time for a change, time to get wise, time to reverence God and apply to your life this wise principle about forgiving and turning all vengeance over to God. He'll judge, he'll take care of all those matters, trust him in that, and let it go, and let it go. How long do we have to go on in the cyclical ruts that we're in before God can get our attention and say, learn, 
change, grow. How, how many times do you have to go through this pleasure-shame cycle before you realize that your porn addiction is not an innocent little side secret thing? It's destroying you, it's destroying your marriage, it's destroying your relationship with God. And maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to reverence God. Maybe it's time to apply some wisdom to your life. Maybe it was for your own good that Jesus said, don't lust after people in your heart. And to get help from other people to come around you to get free of this bondage. In every situation of our life, God is trying to get us to learn, to become wise, and to grow, to make a change. And let me just say one final word about this. We've all done stupid stuff, amen? We've all done stupid stuff. We've all been stupid. We're part of a stupid fallen race. So don't be living in regret over your past stupidity. That just means you're, you're a card-carrying member of the stupid race. You do stupid. You do dumb. We all do it. The only important point about doing dumb in the past is that you learn from it. And now God will take that dumb, dumb, painful thing and he'll use it in a beautiful way to teach you stuff and qualify you uh, in a unique way to be a kingdom person. God, at every moment, is trying to get us to wake up and to learn. There's no room for regrets. There's only room for becoming wise. Here's an assignment I'm going to give us, and then we're just going to close with uh, another worship song. Here's an assignment for this week. This is kingdom training, folks. This isn't playing church or anything. We're training for the kingdom. This is serious stuff. Here's your assignment. This is the Reverend pa Professor, uh, Pastor Greg Boyd, giving uh, a teaching assignment. Here's what I want you to do this week. Right now, Holy Spirit, help us to see this. Pick out one area of your life. If you've got a, a pen and a paper, write this down. We'll, we'll, we'll put this assignment up on our, our webpage so you can go there to remind yourself of it. Pick out one area of your life that's not working well, or at least not working as good as it ought to work. A pattern that you're stuck in. It could be a thought pattern that you always talk yourself into doing this stupid thing. Or it could be a relationship pattern. We've all got them. If you're having trouble thinking of something in your life that's not working, you are really stuck. It, that just means you're so used to it, you don't even notice it. Unless you are an exact replica of Jesus Christ, you got something to work on. Pick out one area. Secondly, commit to reverencing God in that area. The foundation for wisdom is reverencing God. Commit. Lord, I, I'm going to make you Lord of this area. And then thirdly, seek the Lord for wisdom in this area. Lord, what would you have me to learn? How can I do things different? He might point you to something in his word, the instruction manual, the surgeon general, or he may, uh, through the power of the Spirit, give you a prompting. Here's the promise that's found in the word. James says that if any of you lacks wisdom, I think we all qualify, you should ask God who gives generously to all, I love this phrase, without finding fault. God's not up there saying, well, you're so stupid to get yourself in that situation. No, it's... The past is the past. What, what he wants is, he's just delighted that you're asking for wisdom. And he'll give you wisdom. Here's a different way of doing things. And it will be given to you. And ask God for wisdom. And then ask him for the character to make the change that will produce a different result.